Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is PJ Kirk, and this is Insights, perspectives from the world of data. So on Thursday, the 24th of October, the ICC Belfast will be presenting Big Data Belfast 2019. It's a one-day conference that looks at data and analytics and considers how businesses are using technology and data to empower meaningful change and improve decision-making. And that brings us neatly to today's podcast. In anticipation of the event and over the next few episodes, we'll be talking with some of the people who will be speaking at Big Data Belfast 2019 and asking them for some of their insights and perspectives into the world of data and analytics. We start today with Paul Brook, Director of Data Analytics and Artificial Intelligence at Dell Technologies. So I'm Paul Brook, the Director of Data Analytics and AI, and I do that for the pre-sales organization across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So Paul, what are some of the things that Dell are working on at the moment? We're doing a lot of work with a lot of organizations about you know, how computers see, um, and everyone goes, oh, facial recognition for public safety and security, and, and yeah, that's a big area for sure. Um, but we're also seeing applications for that in all sorts of other areas, particularly industry use, where you know, if, if, your, if your machine and your AI can recognize a bad pattern, um, it can save a lot in just simple quality control. I'd argue at the moment that's consuming my guys' time up the most. Um, that, that kind of, we've been working with a big retailer um, using cameras and AI to uh, check the turnover of certain products and the freshness of fresh foods in their chiller cabinets, also linked into energy consumption. So, in addition to his role at Dell, Paul is also the author of a book called The Life of AI. Paul produced this book back in 2018, and it's almost exactly 12 months old at this stage. So how did you get involved in writing this book? It's one of those things that I rather stupidly was talking to my boss, saying, wouldn't it be great to have a published author in the team? It kind of makes sense. We've got a strong opinion. Um, and he said, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Go Off you go and write it. Um, and, and, that, along with a particular customer of mine who said, you, you should write a book, because you know, we've worked him through his own uh, pilot and into production, he said, you should write a book about this, but you can't say who I am and what my company is. And I went, okay. And those, those conversations happened within days of each other, at which point I was kind of sitting there going, why do I not do it, as opposed to previously thinking somebody else should do it, if you see what I mean. In the book, he talks about the rate of adoption of emerging technologies like AI, what he foreseen taking months and years in actuality took weeks. So while his predictions were correct, they just happened a lot quicker than he, or perhaps anyone could have anticipated. Have a listen. So this time last year, I was sitting around thinking, I will probably be having this sort of conversation with a small number of large organizations. And in actual fact, I mean, last week I was, uh, um, in Scotland talking to an entrepreneur who's just using AI to potentially take the financial industry and give it the sort of shape that it's not had, oh gosh, not since we invented double entry bookkeeping. Not possible at this sort of scale without AI. Um, And then you've got the big companies that have all adopted it, the big tax offices. It, it, It seems to have had such massive business value very quickly that adoption rates are way quicker than I expected. What sort of industries do you think are the most innovative at the moment? Where are you seeing trends emerging in AI? My own execs often say those top three 
top three vertical regions for AI. Off you go, Paul. And I go, you know what? It, it's generally public sector. Um, it, it seems to be doing a lot. And, and in some ways, you'd expect that. They're very well understood processes. Um, you know, the, the, the business problem of collecting tax is very well understood. And then automating that has tremendous value. So, so that's just an example I throw out. Uh, we, we then find telco, media, and entertainment, they were early adopters, and again, delivering some of the things that happen at scale now. Uh, without AI, it isn't possible. And then, bizarrely enough, but it shouldn't surprise anyone, because retail is going through, I, I don't know what the economists would use, but uh, I was talking with one retailer that, that's you know, basically in the fast food business, but not who you think it is. Um, they were saying retail's going through absolute hell at the moment. With everywhere you turn, there's someone disappearing. Uh, it, it's not being disrupted. It's being disrupted. But they're fighting back now with some of the techniques that the web tech companies that have, ups, have unsettled them um, are using already. So it's like, hey, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, or fight fire with fire, all these lovely phrases. But actually, it's been proven there's a competitive advantage in some of this. So why not adopt that? Uh, and, and the longer you wait, the worse it will get. So you know, retail is right up there in terms of some, not just great innovation, but um, real sound business value today. What sort of innovations are you seeing happening in retail? It's really fascinating. I take retail as an example, and then you think of the grocery retail business. That, that hugely complex supply chain, which is now global in nature, um, is having AI embedded right the way down to the farm. And, and you know, whether it's new farming techniques uh, for indoor farming, uh, which isn't that new, but you know, adding AI in, you genuinely can understand how every seedling is behaving right up to the point of, is it now time to pick the grape, you know? Um, through to some fantastic work we do in India, um, which we've kind of had coined by one of our customers, oh my heavens, you've connected the cows. And it's like, well, yes, you know. Um, typically a farmer will know their cows by name, if you forgive the, the, the pun. Again, it's a process that farmers understand. Instrumenting it isn't as hard as people think. But it's one of the most traditional industries in the world. And, and our poster child is based out in India. And I love that as an example because um, that's probably not the country people expected me to name. Um, and I, I think AI is there not just to sort of automate and take away the, the lowest paid jobs or automate and take away the highest paid jobs. It, 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 it's actually delivering fundamental value to some of the most traditional businesses as well as creating new businesses. We're seeing different companies applying their technologies in other industries. Are you finding this in your work with Dell? You know, again, I say to, I spend a lot of time talking to customers saying, don't just look in your own industry to fix your problem. You, you may find completely non-related industries have already fixed that problem. One of the things that we talk about a lot at Analytics Engines is this idea of the commonality of problem. So I know McLaren, for example, are using advanced materials to team up with Birmingham Children's Hospital. Can you tell us how technologies in Formula One can be connected to healthcare? Lots of examples of that. But McLaren have an advanced materials group, which 
nobody is surprised when I say that. <laughs> you know, these expensive sports cars are made out of pretty advanced materials, and Formula One has some incredibly strong and light materials and metals in them. Um, they're, they're teaming up with uh, Birmingham Children's Hospital to look at using some of those advanced materials in uh, replacing heart valves. And obviously in children, that, that's not a one-time job. It needs to be incredibly replaceable at the least invasive level. And advanced materials are starting to allow that to happen. And clinical folks are telling me that, you know, it, it, it's... And then the phrase gets overused. I, I'm going to ask everyone to kind of accept these words for what they mean. They are life-changing. And everyone goes, well, of course they are. It's heart surgery that's been reduced. Yes, the survivability rates go through the roof. Um, and, you know, clinical folks say, I wish we had this 20 years ago. Well, we just didn't. The job we've got this thing called progress, you know. When we talk about digital transformation, it can often mean different things to different people. In your own words, Paul, what is digital transformation all about to you? The digital transformation is really about whatever it is that you do really well, apply something that is in the digital world to that, or apply your expertise to the digital world, and you will typically find out very quickly what it is that you, you're going to be able to transform. For small organizations, the concept of digital transformation is a bit daunting. Is there any advice that you could give to those starting the process? It, it's too easy to believe that digital or AI or data analytics and all of these things suddenly means descending into a world of maths and science and hard stuff. And typically what we love to do is say that there is, there is no harm in the hard stuff. Do not get me wrong. Um, but I work for a mathematician, right? Um, I also play guitar. Now, the mathematician can just knock me sideways when it comes to um, simple mathematics like calculus. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of grind to a halt real quick. Mm. He doesn't know what to do when you put a guitar in his hand. But what is the point of this? What we try to say is just because you find something hard doesn't mean it is hard for someone else. And the digital transformation might not necessarily mean you have to do a 10-year advanced degree course in mathematics. It might be something about your music skills that you can then put into the digital world to improve your life, do whatever you need to do. So we urge people not to think that it's the technology but in and of itself that is transformative. That is just the tool for the organizational idea that you have, for the charitable idea, that whatever you, your idea is the thing that has the value. It's then about finding folk who can help you turn that into something. So, so you know, big fan of human in the loop. And um, what we will be talking about is how essential humans are in the digital age. In, in fact, more so than ever. Yeah, we need more of them. Not, not saying go out and start big families. <laughs> what I'm saying is we need more people to be involved and engaged. This is not something folks should step back and go, leave it to the techies. No, 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 no. This involves everyone, so get involved. I think one of the biggest takeaways from our talk with Paul is that technology moves faster than really anyone can anticipate, and that the problems experienced by one company or one organization, despite seeming miles apart, really aren't all that different. At their core, data solutions help businesses to solve problems. On paper, McLaren and Birmingham Children's Hospital seem miles apart. 
But when it comes to using data to deliver a solution that helps them solve their problems, they do have a lot in common. When we speak about digital transformation, we tend to think of large organizations with a wealth of resources behind them. Speaking with Paul, we found that that's really not the case. Organizations of all sizes are starting to see the measurable impact that data can have on how their business performs. To hear more about Paul, be sure to check out his book, The Life of AI, and be sure to join us at Big Data Belfast 2019 on Thursday the 24th of October at the ICC Waterfront Hall Belfast.